Hello, everyone. This is the first Patreon waiver pod. Woohoo! Thank you so much for being a patron and subscribing to us and helping us out and supporting the show. We have been uh, using your help wisely of late, and it's been helping us out a lot. So thank you so much for that. Hopefully, we keep growing and growing and keep getting you guys championships. Of course, this is the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Chop here. My brother's the only two bros that are ready to get you some gems off the waiver wire. Michael Jason It's that time of the year. The waiver wire is here. <laughs> um, if you didn't notice this, this is popping up on your... Anyone who's subscribing to us is popping up on your feed, even if you're not a patron. That's because we're giving out week one for free as a free preview. This is an episode that will only go out to the patrons from week two on. So if you like what you hear here, and I guarantee you, you will. Uh, you're going to want to go to patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy to subscribe for as little as $3 a month. You get this and a ton more extras, including access to our Discord, exclusive stats, giveaways. Um, it's too late to play in one of our leagues, but we have a bunch of people playing in our leagues, and it's phenomenal. So check it, check us out, patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy, and of course, brodofantasy.com for everything. Hey, everybody. Before we start the pod, I just want to say um, we apologize if some of the audio is not the best quality today. Um, due to COVID and some other un, uh, extenuating circumstances, uh, we had to do with what we could do. And um, there were times where the sound quality is not the best today. We apologize. Um, for those listening who are interested in joining the Patreon, we usually have much better sound quality, like you hear on Wednesdays during our preview pods. And Mondays during our recap pods. So we apologize for that, but please enjoy this waiver wire podcast. Let's win some leagues, let's win some waivers, and let's get it going. For those people who are searching the waiver wire today, there's usually the half that are like, okay, I want to spend as much of my fab as I can to get the guy that I want. And there's another bunch of people that are like, I'm not going to spend fab early. I'm going to wait later. What boat do you find yourself in mostly? That's a very generic question that I can't give a blanket answer to. It really depends on the player, what my team looks like, uh, because I think that there are times where, you know what? It's week one. That means you're going to have this guy if you believe in him for 15 weeks. So if you need to break the bank, go ahead and do it. But I also think you need to believe in the player. For example, last year, people were breaking the bank for TJ Hawkinson, and we were yelling from the rooftops not to do that because he was a rookie tight end. So I think it really depends, but um, I think either strategy could work depending on how your team is looking. I agree, but I also think you shouldn't overlook the importance of the week one waiver wire because, sure, there's people like TJ Hawkinson who seem like they're going to be huge and then don't pan out, but then you always have the guys like DJ Chark and Philip Lindsay will end up being huge assets for your fantasy team. And you get to see the tendencies week one for teams to see players who are going to be involved in that offense. So definitely should be interesting how these players that we're going to talk about shortly are involved in their offense going forward. Yeah, week one is uh, – it's I mean, it's impor- every week's important for waivers, but week one is that first snag – snag? Snag at it? Everyone's got, the, everyone's got a chance. And at the end of the day, look – um, if you're looking at some expected value or if for those, uh, I don't know, mathematic minds out there, multiply that by 15 weeks and it's more important than a guy you're picking up in week nine. 
Um, all right, so let's get into it because we all have the number one guy as the same guy, and that is Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines' role, we mentioned on the um, Heat Wave and also on the podcast leading up to this, on the Mock Jack episodes, that um, Naheem Hines was a guy that we were stashing at the end rounds, and we thought that he could have a job in this passing game. And it looks like Phillip Rivers, at best, with Phillip Rivers here and Naheem Hines now the second back in this offense, clearly the passing downward back in this offense, everyone has the same idea. This guy's ceiling is Austin Eckler. Uh, we have him as a number one waiver wire pick. Jason, how do you feel about him and how much of your what, – what percentage of cap fab would you spend on him? Yeah, uh, I want to um, flex a little bit and – on Michael's, uh, just to make fun of Michael a little bit, because I was a guy who was drafting Naheem Hines at the end of every draft as we got closer to the season. And Michael's like, what are you doing, man? They already have Mack and Taylor. Now to Michael's defense, Marlon Mack got hurt. That wasn't expected. But Naheem Hines was killing it before Marlon Mack even got hurt. Taylor came in for Mack, basically, in week one. So if you're looking at your team and you really need help and you're feeling desperate even though it's week one, Look, maybe you have Michael Thomas, he got hurt. Maybe you have George Kittle, he's hurt. Maybe you need an influx of players, and you think right now you need to make a move. Am I crazy, guys, for thinking if you're desperate, 50% of fab is okay for Neem Hines? I don't hate it. Um, say you drafted Connor and Bell, like rounds three and four, and you're really screwed at the running back position. I mean, Naeem Hines, man, he had seven rushes. He had goal line rushes, and... He had eight receptions, man, 45 yards. Like, Phillip Rivers targeted the running back 19 times last week. Just absolutely ridiculous. But that's how Phillip Rivers is. He just brought the Chargers offense to Indy, it seems, because it was like the same exact thing we've seen. They even lost the same way that the Chargers lose. So, I mean, it's like they just brought it over. And Naeem Hines is not as talented as Austin Eckler. So let's not get that twisted. But – he is certainly going to be locked into a big pass-catching role. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had six receptions himself, so this backfield is going to be catching a lot of passes. Naeem Hines, 25 to 50% seems like what you're going to have to pay to get him. And he's going to have flex appeal every single week and RB2 uh, consideration as well in the better weeks. I, Mike, Michael, you didn't give a percentage. Do you have a percentage that you suggest? I said you're going to need to bid 25 to 50%. Okay. I think that's fair as well. 50% is is outrageous because, I mean, you can have Connor and Bell. but I also think if you're not doing fab but you have a waiver order, that using the number one on Naheem Hines is fine as well. Sometimes people like to save that number one. I'm okay with using him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, here's where we differ on our rankings. Um, next up, I have Benny Snell, Malcolm Brown, and Joshua Kelly before Paris Campbell. You guys have Paris Campbell next. I think we all have them as at him as the number one wide receiver. I think for me right now in week one, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to grab a running back. Um, I'm trying to see who has that most lasting potential, and he's standing out to me now. Um, Paris Campbell is that wide receiver I want to own because, like you said, He's Austin Eckler light in terms of Naheem Hines. Paris Campbell could be Keenan Allen light out of that slot. 
I agree, man. I don't think that's a crazy take at all. Paris Campbell is someone we all liked uh, at the end of drafts this season. Tim has him stashed on like half the leagues we're in together, which I'm upset about. But he was he led the team in targets, uh, nine targets. He led the team in snap percentage. He played 82% of snaps. T.Y. Hilton played 80. They were the only ones that high. And this is a guy who was a high draft pick coming out of Ohio State, which has become wide receiver university. So it's not like Paris Campbell just kind of came out of nowhere. He was hurt last season, and he's a very good player. And if he's going to have this role going forward, especially this week against Minnesota, Minnesota secondary is a joke, and then the Jets the week after. I mean, Paris Campbell's looking like someone you could put in your flex and maybe even wide receiver three starting next week and be happy about it. And he's on the waiver wire for the taking. I would be okay Again, putting like 20% of my fab and first waiver priority if I'm in need of a receiver for Paris Campbell. How much percent? 25? Yeah, that 20. Seems a, 20, yeah. 20 is a lot for a wide receiver. 20 is uh, a, a lot for me. So. I do think um, – all right, so here's the thing. Like Naheem Hines, I think, has a slightly higher ceiling than Campbell, but I think Campbell's a good wide receiver three flex play for the rest of the year, if I'm being honest. The thing with him as well, though, there's a injury – risk as well but you guys said it there's a uh, some Keenan Allen light potential here he had nine targets the Colts are going to be a team that probably has to pass a lot most of the time because it's not like their defense is super imposing and it's not like Philip Rivers is a quarterback that likes to win these days so Campbell's gonna get a lot of targets and we also know that T.Y. Hilton has been injured a lot so even though Campbell's an injury risk the guy he's behind is also an injury risk which opens right. up his opportunity Let's take a look at some running backs then because um, we know about the wide receivers. Then we'll get back to the receivers in a second. But right now we have some running backs on the field that if the if the injuries in front of them become bad, you guys become super handcuffs. And we already see it now. Benny Snell, um, I, you know, I, I was going to put Josh Adams in that list, but not really Josh Adams. We have Joshua Kelly, Malcolm Brown. These guys are super handcuffs because if the guy behind them or in front of them gets hurt, they're going to have super carries. But they already hold standalone value. Benny Snell is the guy who, if James Conner's injury is really bad, he's going to get some burn. He had a really good game last week uh, Last week already, Conner already going down. Um, Malcolm Brown, Joshua Kelly also look like they have roles in that offense. How do you feel about these running backs? When it comes to Benny Snell, I have him in third in my rankings because I think he's going to be a very – He's a very good option if you don't have James Conner and James Conner's hurt. But I don't think Benny Snell is someone who's going to be around all year. And I think that has to be said right away because last night, for some reason, fantasy football Twitter was like, Benny Snell's better than James Conner. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is the same Benny Snell who looked like an idiot last year. Sure, he had a good game. But James Conner was basically Le'Veon Bell when he took over the workload. So let's not act like James Conner can't run the ball just because he's had some injury histories. I do. Mike Tomlin likes to use a lead back as a workhorse. I don't think Conner lost his job yesterday. So Snell is probably someone that I'm not going to have a lot of because I'm not going to put the amount of fab that other people probably are on him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because Benny Snell, like you said, he'd be in for a huge role if Conner's out for a long time. They haven't even ruled Conner out for week two yet, so it's not like... Connor's going to have this extended absence. It doesn't seem like, though, they may just be they, – they may not know yet, and they're just hiding it. But 
The thing with Penny Snell, too, though, yes, he had 19 carries, over 100 yards. That was all fine and dandy. But he also only had one target, and uh, Jalen Samuels came in a little bit more when Snell and took a target as well. I mean, like, if he's not going to get pass-catching work, and like you said, Benny Snell is someone, it's not like he was this huge prospect who everyone loved. He was one of the worst running backs in the league last year. He got a little skinnier and faster. He had one good game. That doesn't mean he's like this new star in the making. And James Conner, that is his backfield, whether newfound Snell lovers want to believe it or not. So, I mean, I'd, I'd put some money on Snell, but I wouldn't be – like shocked if it's just like a one and done thing for week two and Connor comes back or something of that sort. All right. So what about the other guys, Malcolm Brown, Joshua Kelly, both of them emerging with bigger roles than, you know, previously imagined. How do you guys feel about those two running backs? Malcolm Brown is interesting because we spoke about it yesterday on the pod. This isn't like last year when he had a big game and Todd Gurley is there, right? It's, it's Cam Akers. It's Daryl Henderson, two young guys and Malcolm Brown, looked like he was the best running back on that field, whether people want to believe it or not. I mean, they did use high draft capital on running backs back-to-back years, and they're still giving the ball to Malcolm Brown, which is confusing from an operational standpoint. That's what they're doing. I mean, the dude ran for 18 18 times for 79 yards, three catches, 31 yards, two touchdowns. Sean McVay was asked about it, and he said he wants it to be like a – where all three are involved. Anderson didn't play much because of the injury, obviously. But he said just the way Brown was going, they just kept giving him the ball because he was running great. So if it becomes a hot hand situation, Malcolm Brown, one day you could start him and he gets like five rushes and Akers plays better. The next time he gets like 15 rushes and he was a solid RB2 start. So it's going to be a little questionable trying to figure out when to start him. And the Eagles are a very good run defense compared to pass defense. Like last season, too, they were much better stopping the run than they were through the air. So I don't even know if I'd want to trust him this week in Philly. But he's definitely someone who should be owned as long as he's going to have a role in that L.A. Uh, in the L.A. backfield. I agree. Like, look, the Rams ran the ball 88 gajillion billion times week one. So let's not act like the stats aren't a little skewed. Um, if you look at Cam Akers' stats alone – and you see the amount of work he had, you'd probably be like, oh, Cam Akers was the lead back. Like, that's how much they used the running backs week one. Uh, and Cam Akers did get the start as a rookie. And they spend a second-round pick on him. So I'm not sold that Malcolm Brown is going to be the main guy in that backfield all year. So I agree. I'm a little weary on him as well. If you want to pick him up, he'll have some value um, for a little bit. But with Philadelphia and Buffalo next up, those are... Pretty good defenses. Uh, he may not have too much value. Um, Josh Adams, Frank Gore, LaMichael Prerine, um, all vying for Le'Veon Bell's spot if he gets injured. Uh, which one of you guys, those guys, are you taking? Um, <clears throat> Who'd you, what, what, say the names again. Josh Adams, Frank Gore, and, Le, and LaMichael Piran. Oh, so the Jets running backs. The Jets running backs. Which one are you taking, Bill? It, it looks like... It's going to be a long absence for Bell. He, he strained a hamstring. And then our amazing, great coach, which I'm getting aboard the all-on-board hate Adam Gase train. Yeah, me I'm, too. I'm, I'm getting on the train. I'm hopping on. It was a stupid train not to be on from the beginning. But how do you, how you get your guy? And, you know, shout-out to Johnny, our brother, our fourth brother, for those of you who have been listening. He said, yo, this guy has 4% body fat. That's not a good thing. He's going to injure himself immediately. 
And what did he do? He went outside and he injured himself immediately. He went outside. <laughs> well, in the game. Hurt his um, hand. And then Gates put him back in the game, further injured his hamstring. Which one of these guys are you trying to, are you trying to roster? Honestly, none. We've spent too much time talking about Jets backup running backs already. That offense is one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm not exaggerating. The Jets and the Browns, look, I know they played good defenses, but those two teams, you could watch someone shit on OBJ and it'd be more entertaining. Like, that's how bad those two offenses were. OBJ would enjoy that. OBJ would love it. So I don't want any running back. Frank Gore is going to get some work. Adam, some work. P. Ryan, who I don't even think he was active week one because he was injured, might get some work. I don't care. That offense is disgusting. Unless I'm getting a lead back like Le'Veon Bell, who's good and who's going to get most of the work, I don't want anything to do with that offense. Yeah, those are just ugly options there. And they're never going to be anything more than like desperation flex plays, especially if they're splitting work and they're like old dudes. But we did, we skipped over Joshua Kelly a little bit when we were discussing Cam Akers. I did want to bring his name up because I do have him. Uh, right behind Malcolm Brown in my running backs. This dude had 12 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Is the goal line back in that team. You know, Tyrod Taylor, that offense, and Anthony Lynn said they would not have won the game without him. He clearly has a role in that offense, so he has to be rostered as well. Uh, I'm in full agreement here. They clearly want to run the ball with Tyrod Taylor at the helm, so Josh Kelly's going to have some flex appeal. Couple more, just for the also the Jets. I know you say we talk too much about him. Don't let Frank Gore be the guy that you pick out of that backfield. Like he's the one that's least likely to get a majority of the work because he's an ancient dinosaur man. You shouldn't get any of them. Adrian Peterson and Peyton Barber, a couple of vets. Uh, I mean, Adrian Peterson looks looks good. He looked good last year. Adrian Peterson always looks good. He's Adrian Peterson. Uh, what, what do we? <clears throat> Would it be cruel of me to start the hashtag fuck Mike Patri- Matt Patricia? Because fuck Matt Patricia and his wannabe Bill Belichick self is getting so old, dude. You need to win a game that you're up 17 points against Mitch Trubisky if you want to act like you're a good head coach and do stupid ass shit like sign Adrian Peterson and give him 8,300 touches the first week he comes in the door. And yeah, AP was decent. He was decent last year too but he is going to be a touchdown dependent guy who hopefully loses work to deandre swift as the season goes on so yeah not for nothing deandre swift played 44 percent of the snaps ap didn't even play 40 percent. so deandre swift already led that backfield in touches and this is after missing the majority of training camp with an injury so i agree in that this is going to be swift's backfield soon and ap is going to be a thorn in his side annoyingly, but I agree that he's just going to be a touchdown-dependent flex, just as he was last year, basically, with Washington as well. But hopefully he gets less work this time around because I agree. I don't know why Detroit signed him, even though he did he did run well week one. You, you, can't, uh, you can't deny that. And his uh, replacement in Washington, Peyton Barber, had the most Peyton Barber line ever with his 28 yards and two touchdowns. Talk about a guy who, like, if you want to define touchdown dependent in a dictionary, it's Peyton Barber's career. Jason, you are very mean again today. What is up with you the last few days? <laughs> I'm very, I'm very frustrated with it seems, bad it coaching. Seems. Like, what's going on, man? All right, so let's go over to the wide receivers. Um, we already talked about Paris Campbell. Another guy that got a lot of work uh, with a new quarterback, Mike Williams, uh, looks like 
his talent, you know, a lot of people didn't like his opportunity. But where there is talent, there's opportunity. So uh, he has a lot of talent, and he looks like he's getting opportunity. So he's high on that list. Also, Nikhil Harry and Russell Gage, two guys that also were better than expected. Well, Nikhil Harry, not really. Russell Gage, yeah. Um, how do you guys, how do you feel about these trio of wide receivers? Mike Williams, Nikhil Harry, Russell Gage. I think you're not spending more than ten percent on your fab on any of these guys, but. I think Russell Gage and Mike Williams are worth a, a throw. I think that they're good. They're good to roster. Yeah, I'm gonna let Michael take over on a kill Harry because I know he has strong feelings about him. But when it comes to first of all, Mike Williams is 47 percent owned on Fantasy Pros. He's here just because he's under 50 percent, but he's available in. He's not available in like a lot of leagues. But he had nine receptions. Sorry, nine targets, four receptions. Made some spectacular catches. He's always going to have his wide receiver three flex appeal like Mike Williams always had. Uh, always going to be a boring start, but has big play potential. Uh, Russell Gage is a little more interesting to me. Everyone assumed Hayden Hurst was brought in to replace Austin Hooper. Someone has to get those targets. And in week one, it was Russell Gage. And I said during the offseason, after Mohamed Sanu left, it wasn't a fluke. Russell Gage averaged eight targets a game over 10. Over 10 of the last the last 10 games last season. That's not a small sample size. And then you go to week one this year, and he has 12 targets, which is basically the eight with another four, maybe because Austin Hooper's gone. And I know it was Matt Ryan through a lot of attempts, but the Falcons don't have a good defense. And Matt Ryan is a garbage-time quarterback at this point in his career, it seems. So Russell Gage is a slept-on guy to pick up these days. I agree. Uh, Russell Gage is someone interesting to add. Mike Williams as well. Dude is making nice catches yesterday. But that Nikhil Harry is someone I'm not actively targeting. The big thing with Nikhil Harry this these last couple of days is, oh, he had a target share over 30%. Yeah, well, six targets was a target share over 30% because Cam Newton threw 19 times. And yeah, he caught five of those passes, but it was for 39 yards. He was just catching balls near the line of scrimmage. He even lost a fumble out of the end zone. Like that is you. We know Bill Belichick hates people who fumble. This dude lost it out of the back of the end zone. If they lost that game, he probably Bill Belichick probably would have went into his, uh, his interview thing after his press conference and just talked about how Nikhil Harry needs to be better. His interview. Thing. Harry, I I'm not interested in Nikhil Harry. This is a offense I'm completely disregarding outside of Cam Newton's rushing. He had 155 passing yards and 19 pass attempts, 15 rushes just himself. I don't want anything to do with the Patriots offense. The next receivers I want to talk about is a trio of big-time playmakers. Uh, Robbie Anderson, who caught a 75-yard bomb. Traquan Smith, who could be seeing an uptick in work if Michael Thomas makes it any time. And the guy I really want to talk about, Keelan Cole. Just want to give you my thoughts before you guys mention him. Traquan Smith, I think he's a good add because he might take over work, like I said, for Michael Thomas. I'm staying away from Robbie Anderson. In fact... Uh, that might be a case where you don't know which one of those guys is going to have a big game. And if you don't get the guy who has the big game, uh, you're going to be really disappointed. And Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback, so there's not even a guarantee that somebody's going to have a big game every game. So I'm staying away from them. I want to talk about Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole, we're just one year removed from him being someone that was being drafted as high as the fifth round in some drafts. No way. Yeah, he busted hardcore. But people saw a lot in him, and people saw an ability to be 
greater. And he has a skill set that we've seen uh, Jay Gruden use in the past. He led the team in receptions yesterday, caught a touchdown. I think Keelan Cole is someone that has the ability to be a week one waiver wire person that you end up starting in your uh, starting every. And I know he's playing for a bad team, but this is a bad team with a bad defense with a quarterback who likes to sling the ball around. Um, and I think of the Jaguars not too long ago when they were terrible and Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson were both phenomenal. So I think that you can have a situation here where um, DJ Chark and Keelan Cole are both phenomenal. So I would really, I, I think I'm going, I'm going for Keelan Cole hard this uh, in this wave period. That's a, it's, that's an interesting thing bringing up Keelan Cole ahead of LaVisca Chenault, which is who I prefer. I was big on the Colt train last year. Um, it, uh, uh, that was a giant hyperbole, Tim. No one's taking him in the fifth round, but I, I see what you were trying to say. The hype, there was a hype train last season. But I'm still siding with LaVisca Chenault. They drafted this guy early. Uh, he played, he came out of the Wildcat a few times, so they're going to use him across all over the field. And he was their main slot receiver. So it was good to see Keelan Cole perform well. But if I'm looking for upside, I think that LaVisca Chenault provides a little bit more. Uh, my concern, you could be right. And Keelan Cole could emerge as a second receiver, which I think is not going to be great because they're going to cannibalize each other. So unless one of them really takes over, I'm a little scared of both of their prospects uh, because DJ Chark, even though he only had three targets, we saw what he did last year. He caught a touchdown. He's going to be the lead guy. Uh the cannibalization between Cole and Chenault is a little concerning. And real quick touch on Robbie Anderson. Fool's gold right there. Don't rush the waiver wire to get that guy, please. Teddy Bridgewater, buns. Yeah, Robbie Anderson is a 75-yard catch and run touchdown. That's not going to happen every week. That's Those plays are the plays that basically the definition of fool's gold because people see the final stat line. They're like, wow, look what he did. Take away the 75-yard touchdown. Obviously, that's oversimplifying a little bit. But the dude has... 40 yards and it's a Bridgewater offense. It was a huge catch and run. It's not like he's going to be hitting Robbie Anderson yards downfield. He caught it 15 yards downfield. So I'm not super interested in Robbie Anderson either as anything more than a flex play for games like this, but I don't think they're going to, I think they're going to be pretty few and far between. And I, I do prefer Chenault to Cole as well. He played nearly the same amount of snaps as Cole, even though he missed some time in training camp and, Chenault is the exciting rookie compared to Cole, who is a UDFA. He's showed some flashes, but also hasn't been able to get on the field for the majority of his time in the league as well. Yeah, I, I do like the I do like the love though. And for Traquan Smith, I'd say uh he did play more snaps than Emmanuel Sanders last week. So that's something to note. So a couple of notes, programming notes. Um Obviously, we're going to release the rankings. Those are free on the website, brodofantasy.com. But we do rank on Fantasy Pros, and they kind of just give you players. Um, I don't know how they base it on, but there's some players that they leave off. So we're going to mention those guys. Also, if you didn't notice, we're in a little bit of an extenuating circumstance right now. Background. We apologize. This is not the usual norm that you're going to see. You're going to hear what you usually hear uh, every week. So thank you for sticking with us uh, for that background noise. We appreciate it. Um I think MVS is an interesting name. Uh, Alan Lazard is too rostered to be 
in this conversation, but MVS is interesting. Scotty Miller got a lot of work yesterday. Scott Miller now. Um, Corey Davis. Uh, sorry, I'm not going for that again. Danny Amendola, Quentin Cephas, Olavisi Johnson, and Willie Sneed are all guys uh, that you could consider picking up. Uh, for me, I don't really need to say much about them. They're low on my rankings. For you guys, is there anyone that sticks out or anyone not on this list that sticks out? Uh, Corey Davis, a.k.a. Sammy Watkins. Please don't fall for that. Uh, at the end of the game, A.J. Brown got three of the last four targets. While 88% of the East Coast was sleeping, A.J. Brown literally missed a touchdown by an inch. That would have won the game. The Titans won the game anyway. He ended up with eight targets. So let's not... Um, it was a little weird. It was in the back corner of the end zone. He kind of alligator-armed it. It could have been a better throw. But... AJ Brown's going to be fine. Let's not worry about Corey Davis, please. Um, Scotty Miller, a little bit of intrigue. Um, I mean, Mike Evans is dealing with injury, so he didn't look injured, but, you know, Tom Brady's been able to keep three receivers alive. But now we're just getting to the bottom of the list here. What is valuable about this um, podcast is that we'll give you some fab percentages. We'll uh, tell you if you should use your number one priority. We'll also give you names, as Tim said, that aren't on the Fantasy Pros list. So I'm going to swing over to Michael for that because there are some guys who are, I think Fantasy Pros standards are less than 50% owned. There's some guys down there who should definitely be owned who we would probably take a, above a decent amount of guys on the list provided. So I'll let Michael yeah. um, give a few of those names. Yeah, for sure. Tim brought up Alan Lazard. He's actually only 43% owned, so he's definitely someone... You could target. Um, I'm also someone I'm highly targeting is Jalen Rager, only 38% owned. He only went one for four, but once missed him on another deep ball that could have been huge. And he already played the most snaps of all Eagles receivers last week as a rookie who is supposed to be out the first week. So sign me up. Preston Williams, 38% owned. Another high priority add if he's available in your league with Devontae Parker injured and unknown how long he's going to miss. And, uh, Jack Doyle, as well as the tight end of Phillip Rivers. If you need a tight end, someone interesting. He did have three catches for 49 yards. And I'm not super high on Greg Olson, but only 26% owned. And he did catch a touchdown. And the Seahawks looked like a completely different team yesterday. Like they were, excuse me, two days ago. They were just passing everywhere. If that's their new offense, you might want a share of Greg Olson uh, at the tight end position because... If he's going to be used in the red zone, that's a that's a nice spot to have him. And Brashad Perriman, 18% owned. Ugly game. Only three catches for 17 yards. But the dude played 100% of snaps. 1-0-0. And that was against the Bills and Tredavious White. So keep Brashad Perriman on your radar too. And also to add to what we provide, what about some guys that should be dropped after week one, like I don't want to um, go a little too crazy here, but what about like like we just got asked in our Discord? That's why I thought about it. Should I drop Matt Breida for Naheem Hines? The answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. Matt Breida is eighty percent owned on Yahoo, but it's clear that he doesn't really have a role. And if you look at um, Miles Gaskins, probably a name we should have mentioned. I'm just gonna stay away from all Dolphins running backs. Uh, Miles Gaskin, be damned. Uh, so. Matt Breida is someone I'm willing to drop. Is there anyone else you guys are willing to drop after week one? I think a couple of running backs right off the bat that, 
if you stashed them because you thought they could have a shot at starting, then I think it was a good choice. But at this point, you have to move on. Carry on Johnson, Detroit. Um, a 35-year-old running back came in and got the majority of snaps over him. Uh, so, yeah, carry on Johnson at this point is not someone I want to have on my roster. And Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson's another one that I know he's been hampered by injuries, but with the emergence of Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers, their early-round pick, I think it's going to be Daryl Henderson out on the outside looking in on this one. So uh, I think those two guys are two running backs that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be scared to part ways with. I'm also going to go with uh, Chris Thompson, uh, James Robinson. James Robinson handled every single rush. I'm not dropping him yet. I'm not dropping him. Gardner Minshew's a running quarterback and running quarterbacks tend to not throw to their running backs as often because the check downs aren't there because they run rather than checking it down. Another guy who's a lot more owned that I would not be against getting rid of, 70% owned, is Sony Michelle. Like, if you really need to get rid of Sony Michelle for Naheem Hines, I'd do that in a heartbeat. What about I, one more name? I think you guys will agree with me. Mike Kosicki. Three for four, 30 yards. When are we going to get over Mike Kosicki? I would drop Ooh. him for Jonu Smith or Noah Fant in a heartbeat. If Jonu Smith or Noah Fant is available, I agree. But if someone drafted Kosicki as their only tight end, I don't know what slim pickings they're going to be on the waiver wire. So, I mean, I would look for someone on the waiver wire if I had Gasicki because, I mean, he sucked last year. It was a rough first game, but it was against New England, and he was running routes. So I'm not completely giving up on Gasicki as a useful option, but I would definitely try to add some competition. Dallas Goddard is also a huge, huge target if you're in need of a tight end and he's available uh, in Yahoo leagues, he's only owned in 56% of wow, leagues. really? Yeah, so that's almost half the league where Dallas Goddard's available. He's seen eight targets at least in four straight games now, dating back to last season. Um, the dude is clearly a part of that passing offense with the injuries that they dealt with and the young receivers. So Dallas Goddard, and now Zach Ertz might get traded. There's just crazy rumors about what's going on with Zach Ertz. So Dallas Goddard is absolutely a priority add. I'd add him right after Naheem Hines if I needed tight end help. If I if I was stacked at running back, I'd even go Goddard over Hines. I wouldn't even hmm. I wouldn't hate that. Wow. Okay. I, I would go Hines over Goddard, but Goddard is a great, a great option. Um I think a guy that I'm looking at too is Kendrick Bourne. I think that you should not cut him. I think that looking at what he did in that first game, you could say, oh, you know, taking the shot at him wasn't a, a great idea, but he did have five targets with lead wide receivers and he gets the Jets next week. So I think Kendrick Bourne is someone that you could definitely hang on to rather than cut loose you know, when you're making those decisions. Fair enough. What about, what about Chris Herndon? If you really, if, would you cut Chris Herndon if you really need someone like a wide receiver or a running back? This is something where it's like, if Chris Herndon's your starting tight end, that's probably because the waiver wire is very thin and you just didn't care about tight end. So but I mean, Herndon also was very involved in the passing game like it was it was a rough start to the game but then he got super involved he had a high target share he was lining up in the slot and out wide it's not like they have a crazy amount of pass catchers on the jets and they're not going to play the bills every week the bills are one of the best defenses in the league so i'm not i'm not going to give up on chris herndon i mean if i could drop him for dallas goddard i would but i'm not going to give up on him makes sense fair enough um i think i would also drop i would also feel comfortable dropping daryl williams um if you need to pick up like a guy like Naheem Hines, he's a great handcuff to have, but I think that it's 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 the CD you know, um, in Kansas City. 
thank you guys again for rocking with us during these technical difficulties that we are having. Um, extenuating circumstances, sometimes you can't control them. But this is the extra episode to get this every single week with much better sound quality. Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy and BrotoFantasy.com. Um, yeah, that's it for us. We don't plug anything on Patreon on Patreon because we love the patrons. Because y'all is the fam. We're, you know what? It's like when you pay for HBO, you don't get no commercials. <laughs> that's what we're doing over here. Uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much, and uh, we'll see you on tomorrow. Well, it's you know it's every day nowadays. Uh, tomorrow for the week two preview. So stay tuned. Later. Later.